If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Hopeful Hints, hosted by Dr. Tara, guides and supports those on the often challenging and isolating journey of women's health concerns and infertility. There's a particularly powerful episode that you should check out called All Things Endometriosis, which dives deep into understanding the condition to help the many women who suffer from endometriosis and have no idea they have it, and healthcare providers who are uneducated about it, making the diagnosis process so difficult. Check out Hopeful Hints on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Highway to Health. I'm Jeremy Quinby. This is episode 105 of the podcast. If you're a new listener, I want to welcome you. Highway to Health is your place for trusted health guidance and resource. Whether you're looking to improve your health or just seeking ways to stay well, we're here for you. This growing community is on a mission to improve our state of being and experience together on the planet. And if you love the thoughtful and informative content you get here, maybe it's time to consider becoming a health amplifier today. You can support this community over at patreon.com forward slash highway to health. Every dollar goes towards the development of resource toward a more integrative approach to care. Thanks for all your support. I'm so excited to share this conversation today with Carrie D'Ambrosio. For more than 30 years, he's worked as a physical therapist, osteopath, and board-certified acupuncturist. He's able to articulate how the body heals in a way I've rarely heard in my 25 years of training. Not only does he have a ton of knowledge and experience as a practitioner, he has that rare sense of how each system influences the next to promote healing and especially manual therapy's role in removing barriers so that the body can function in the way it's supposed to function. And what he so masterfully explains here is his unique approach to evaluation that he's developed and teaches internationally through the D'Ambrosio Institute. So much great information here. Please enjoy my conversation with Carrie D'Ambrosio. One thing that I, I I always notice when I'm when I'm doing these podcast conversations is there's there's always something that I feel like leads someone into the into their their exploration of of what they end up sort of going very deep into with their work, especially in, in health fields. So my guess is that there's some problem early on that that you needed solving that you couldn't have solved. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting when I was when I was younger, I played a lot of sports. Yeah, what was your my sport? Pro- well, my primary sport was football. Okay. And my goal when I was a kid was to play professional football as a yeah. linebacker. Yeah. And, you know, I suffered concussions, you know, shoulder problems, all sorts of different things. And But I did manage to go to college. I'm from Canada originally. Yeah, yeah. And I went to the University of Western Ontario. And, you know, it's interesting, back in your early 20s, you think your body's invincible. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> so I would get one injury and another injury and I just kept playing. And eventually my coach saw me and he saw that something was up because you kind of hid your injuries from yeah, the, the coach yeah. because if they knew your injury, they just replace you as someone else. Yeah. And that's sort of, you know, what I was facing, but as interesting as it was, that's what led me um, to get treated. I went to an athletic uh, training clinic right there at the university and the treatment of choice was they would submerge me into ice cold whirlpool tanks. And you had to yeah. stay in there for about eight to 10 minutes. 
and they'd pull your lifeless body out and then they would do uh, electrical stimulation, they do massage, they may do some stretching. Now these treatments, they were beneficial if you had an acute problem and you know my pains eventually went away. But what I found is that every time I went uh, you know, into the field and I tried to run or change directions, I kept getting all these same complaints. It was my right knee, which is my original injury, yeah. but then that festered into my right groin, my lower back, I had sciatica, and I had all these problems. And, and I clearly remember, and that's probably a driving force for me to learn, was that the, the therapist back in that day, and they still today, it's still a pet peeve of mine, is they focus on the or or they focus on the site of your pain? Yeah, yeah. your knee in, in that case, and they just do things that the ultrasound, that the electrical stimulant, the lysis, and they didn't sit back and look at, hey, this guy's had concussions before, this guy's injured his shoulder, this guy's done this. They didn't look at the whole body, yeah. or they didn't get your and story they, right. I mean, they didn't get your whole story. No, no, they didn't. They didn't sit back and and do that, and so that's always been in the back of my mind, but. You know, they always say when you, they close uh, one door, maybe a window opens somewhere else for you to go. But that right. led me to become an athletic trainer. Yeah. And the problem was, I would do the same things that they did to me on my on my patients. That's <laughs> right. all I knew. Right. So everybody got ice cold whirlpool tanks. They got ultrasound. They got an e-stim. All those things. And I realized that that wasn't enough. Yeah. And that led me to go to uh, physical therapy school. And I went to University of Toronto. Okay. And it was a great, it was, I'm really, I'm really glad I got in there because I met, he's still a good friend of mine today. His name was Doug Freer and he was my teacher. And I eventually went to work for him. What I loved about him, phenomenal teacher, is that he was a clinician as well as a teacher. He ran two physical therapy clinics. He would be treating patients and would show up for class and he would give us real life situations. Yeah. He's the one that put it in my mind about osteopathy, hmm. about cranial sacral, myofascial, visceral, you know, strain, counter strain, muscle energy, all these different techniques. And I remember him say that these techniques, they get to the core of the problem. Right, right. They get to the root cause. And I started to think of that. I go, all I was getting was hot, you know, ice cold whirlpool tanks, hot, you know, hot packs, ultrasound, electrical stim. I wasn't getting any of these things. Yeah. And so my first year of uh, physical therapy school, I took a class with Dr. Larry Jones. You might know him. Yeah. He's uh, yeah. created strain counter strain. Yeah. And as a student, you get a discount. So I took his class and I remember being on that class. I went with a friend of mine and we were palpating. It was uh, the lower quadrant. And right where I had that old knee injury, there was a severe tender point, patellar tendon. And my friend hyperextended my knee, externally rotated it. He found a position that it was no longer tender. And we held it there for the 90 seconds. That's what strain counter strain is about. And then they take care of the position slowly. And all of a sudden I'm walking around, I go, oh my God, this knee is so much better. And I go, come on, do some more points. And he found a point in my groin. And that felt like someone was sticking a knife inside me. Yeah. And I remember he folded me over and there was no tenderness there. And a lot of times heat comes off your body and things like that. And after the 90 seconds, we came out of the position and we palpate it. And I go, you're not in the same position. And, you know, he palpated around. There was nothing tender. And my back was feeling better. And it was amazing. I mean, that's what really got me going. And I'll tell you a funny story is that 
when I came home from that that experience, I was still in my first year of physical therapy school. We had our school in Toronto was four stories high, and the top story had all these treatment tables. We called them plinths. And I knew the custodian, the janitor, and I gave him a case of beer if he would unlock the door for me at night. And I actually started my first clinic, an illegal clinic on the top floor. Yeah. It was a very thriving clinic. Is that I would bring in, they were all athletes that would come in, sprain, strain injuries. And I used it as my laboratory yeah. to work on these techniques. Yeah. And my only technique at that time was strain counter Huh. And that's sort of where I started. And it was simple. You find a tender spot, position of comfort, hold it for 90 seconds. And then it was a, it, and then it would release, and it was amazing, and it worked so well. Yeah. But what was interesting is, you know, I really remember that is, even though you're successful seventy percent of the time, I can remember those patients coming in where I couldn't find any tender points. Yeah. I, you know, or I treated them, you know, a week ago, and they came back, and the problem was still there. So I think, I think what drives all of us is not so much our successes, but our failures. It's as it pushes us in a certain direction. And so I realized that that strain counter strain, you know, can only take you so far. Right. So that got me taking courses. Right. You know, one course after the other. I just, I just. And you are you know, the master of taking courses. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I, 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 probably hundreds of classes. Yeah, there. yeah. But I understand. I, 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 yeah. I, I, the, we are looking for a, sort of a toolbox of of things, and I, at the same time, like I do think it's important sometimes to just like exhaust everything you can within a modality and try and see see what you can do. And, and even when I treat, sometimes I I do that. I'll kind of take things to like a specific point where it's like, okay, so that that seems like as far as I can go from there, and now I want to try something else. Mm-hmm. And but just knowing that I have those in my back pocket is also helpful. And that was beneficial for me because I did exactly what you said, is that each time I learned a new modality, I would go upstairs to my, you know, illegal to clinic. lab. Yeah. And, you know, I went from strain counter strain to muscle energy, which is the opposite, which working on joints. And people go, well, how come you're not doing those tender points? I go, that crap doesn't work. You know, we're working <laughs> on joints now, right? And each time you think you have the answer. You think you have the holy grail, you have the answer to solve these problems. Yeah, yeah. And when you're excited about it, the patient's excited about it, you do the changes, and you do get results. But then there's that learning experience. Somebody comes in, and they don't respond well you know, to what you're doing. And that kind of moves along. I remember taking my fascia release. That was from John Barnes. And I remember him, he says, this is the missing piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. And he goes, if you failed at, you know, he said straight counter strain muscle energy, it's because of the scar tissue, three dimension, the ground substance. And I go, finally, I've got the missing piece of the puzzle. <laughs> so, I, you know, you start to go back and you're all excited. But again, it wasn't, yeah. you know, and, you know, you realize that taking all these courses and all these therapies were important. You know, I, I mean, we've talked before about everything that you've done. You know, everyone, any clinician that's listening to it, all therapies work. Right. There's going to be somebody out there that's going to, you know, like a key fitting into a lock. Uh, they're going to be perfect. And, and the teacher of that gets so excited because they did that. But we all have our failures. Yeah. And it's those failures. It's those people that aren't responding to it. You know, that's where we got to keep looking for, you know, new ways of looking at the body, new ways of evaluating. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I find the same thing. And I, and I think there's there's something about kind of hitting hitting an endpoint with somebody 
it's it's humbling for one thing. But you know, you, you we'll, we'll get into. The, I, I want to get into what how you evaluate these things because I think that's that's really the most important thing. But you, a, a lot of times we you know we we start out with that evaluation. We we find a you know we find something that we we think is is important to address, and we'll talk about all the different things that it could potentially be. But then but then sort of you know. Go, going with with what our experiences and things that we've seen as patterns, and it's and it's the anomalies really when we have to sort of go deep into the toolbox, you know. So, mm-hmm. so how how is it that that you you know I I I know you you've started a school. How, how long has this been been operating now? The Gabrosho Institute, I think, has been around the past probably six seven years. Okay. Yeah. What what and, led you to 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 starting it? Well. <laughs> I, I started, you know, like I said, taking all these classes, and eventually I started to be an assistant. Yeah, yeah. And and eventually they got me teaching, so I just started to teach these classes. But I remember just accumulating a lot of information, and I realized I was in my clinic one day, and a patient came in with low back pain, and I didn't know what to do. I had too many options, too many choices. And I think a lot of your listeners will fall in that same category is that, you know, you just have so many options. Do I work on muscles, joint, fascia, fluid, energy, emotions, yeah, you yeah. know, whatever. And so at that point, I realized that all I had was a bunch of techniques. I had to learn evaluation. So I actually went back to osteopathic school and started to realize that osteopathy is a philosophy. It's based on principles, based on evaluation. And so I started to, um, you know, put that together. And it was, it was John um, Matthews, John Upledger's uh, son from the Upledger Institute. We, we were friends, boy, since 1988. And because I took so many courses at Upledger. I mean, uh, I studied with Jean-Pierre Barral when he came in. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I studied all all the great people. I was so lucky, you know, you know, you're, um, the strain, counter strain, Larry Jones, but muscle energy, uh, Fritz Smith, mm. you know, craniosacral, the myofascial people, all the originators of the technique. I was really fortunate to study with them. But because John and I stayed friends, um, he knew he knew my, you know, my journey, taking all these classes, you yeah. know, being a, a physical therapist, athletic trainer, acupuncturist, and now osteopath. And he thought that what he had already, you know, uh, Upledger dealing with craniosacral and, and Jean-Pierre at the beginning was dealing with uh, visceral work. He does other things now as well. But he said, wouldn't it be nice to have um, an osteopathic curriculum and part of the International Alliance? So he brought me in to kind of fill in the spaces, mm. you know, bring in other muscle classes, joint classes, fascial classes, yeah. fluid classes like lymph and energy and evaluation. Yeah. And the key thing I wanted to bring to that, because of myself being a student, is I just didn't I just didn't want to have a class that's teaching more techniques. I wanted to have a class that empowers the practitioner to be able to evaluate and answer a few questions. Yeah. Where do I treat? Because right? most people think you treat the site of you know pain. Right. But where's the underlying cause? Yeah. And once you find out where you're going to treat, what are you going to treat? Yeah. You know, we have lots of options, you know, muscles, fascias, joint, fluids, energy, emotions, all these different things. And I came up with that because those are questions I had as a student. And I, and I kind of felt that other people have those questions. You know, I'm not alone. Yeah. 
you know, and, and we all tend to, you know, when you take a class, you tend to use that information on your patients for the next few weeks, you know, and that's how you kind of determine things. And I, and I realize by meeting, you know, thousands of practitioners that everybody has their favorite form of therapy. They'll even say, I'm a cranial therapist or I'm yeah. a visceral therapist, I'm this or that. And I think that's a disservice to the patient. You know, I think you have to be the therapist that they need, meaning that you provide the technique that the patient needs at that time. Yeah. I think that's what we need to strive for. Yeah. Not just mastering, you know, one particular form. Yeah. I it's it's interesting too because and I've, I've thought a lot about it in the way that I've structured my intake form. You know, I, I, I used to have this like really long form and I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I have some kind of very basic things. And th- th- then, I, then, I, then I ask a lot of questions as I go through that, that, that first treatment with them. And because I feel like that whole first treatment is just a ton of evaluation going on. You know, and I sometimes I am, you know, immediately treating in those situations because I have a very strong sense of it. But at the same time, even if I am treating right away, I'm still gathering information. I like, you know, for like what was missed with you, a lot of times, and people will often forget about head injuries or forget about car accidents because it's traumatic. And so they'll kind of lock away certain kinds of things, or I'll be, you know, I'll be treating somebody who's got, you know, sort of carotid headaches or something. And I'll I'll have you know a, a, a question in there about have you ha- ever had any hard falls to your tailbone, and they won't remember. And then while I'm working, all of a sudden they'll they'll have this memory from when they were six years old, uh, you know, falling in their friend's house or something, you know. And it's like mm-hmm. those those kinds of things always come up. So I I I try to keep it fairly general. Also, I don't want to I don't want to influence sometimes my what I'm what I'm trying to you know find in that first session and and where I'm going to make that quick decision about the evaluation I I kind of want the body to tell me where to go yeah there one of the ways I've done this so many different ways is one way I really like to do is just evaluate someone before I even have a history yeah 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 and see sort of what's happening with that but getting on to what you said about your intake form I've done a study with that where I had an intake form that has the patient record all the negative things about their body, like where their pain is and this and that, and, and, and focusing all on what's wrong. Yeah. And have another intake form, which is what are your goals? Yeah. What are you trying to move towards? Yeah. That's, that's a really good you know? one. And, and it, but it's interesting is that when you uh, fill out the form and then you evaluate them after that, what's interesting is, when they get into that state of mind of that negativity, the evaluation is different. Mm -hmm. It's more restrictive. That's why the mind body is so uh, important. That's why I, you know, I like what you said there is that I think it's important to always be, you know, where are we going? What's the direction we're going? Yeah. Cause I really believe that let's say you have a patient comes in, it can be anywhere. It can be a knee, it can be shoulder, you know, headache is that how does the body heal? Yeah. You know, that's the question that we have to ask. You know, it needs blood supply, right? Carrying oxygen, nutrition, needs nerve supply, needs energy supply. But in order for it to get it, you got to get rid of the toxicity. You got to get rid of like the lymph and the venous drainage, the energy flow. Yeah. And we have barriers. We have local barriers around that particular area. And then we have total body barriers that affect these pathways, these pathways of healing. Yeah. And that's what the what I'm always trying to to look for in the evaluation is that is it a local problem where they're complaining of yeah 
or is there something underlying it? Because A.T. Still, you know, the founding father of osteopathy, he said the rule of the artery is supreme. And what he meant by that is that osteopathy is a physiological model. And the role of manual therapy is basically to create a better environment for healing. Right, and, and promote function, just overall function. And that, that's that's what I feel like, you, I, I know I know you think this way, but we're that, that's that's where my eye is with with people. I'm always kind of thinking that way because we we don't have a system of health promotion in this country. You know, we're we're symptom chasers most of the time in in healthcare, right? And so when I have the, the you know because I have the ability to sort of help help educate and also kind of help promote just whole system function, I. I, while while I want that knee pain to go away, I also am kind of looking at what's going on with this person as a whole, and I have this opportunity to to educate and inform and and kind of help help get them a little bit more interested in like you know promoting that for themselves. Yeah, there's an old saying: it's more important to know the patient who has a dysfunction than the dysfunction that has the patient. <laughs> right, so, that's great. Yeah, you have to know. Yeah, you know, because let's say your patient is a you know in my intake forms, are you married? Are you single? Are you a widower? Uh, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. you know. Uh, how old are you? You know, where are you in your life's journey? Mm-hmm. Because they come to the clinic with different stresses. Yeah. They come to it with life, and you have to, you have to look at that. Yeah. You know, with everything else. So we're, we're not, you know, we're not just manual um, therapists. We're like life coaches. Right. Right. You know, in the in the, in the same regard. And, and I, I find too many times people are so used to going into a clinical situation and having to ev- evaluate their pain. Like at what level is, is, is this pain, you know, for you today? And to mm-hmm. me, you know, th- that I think that's just too subjective. I think most people, what they really want is like to what you were saying earlier is there's a goal that they have in their mind. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's, it's our job to engage in that goal so that they know, you know, if they're unable to do that, that's because of what's going on, you know, physiologically. Mm-hmm. It's not always, you know, pain related either. I mean, because this is where it gets into the, some of the mental and emotional parts too. Mm-hmm. I think what you said earlier, as is, is you mentioned function, is that functional evaluation means more to the patient than anything else. Hmm. So, you know, you ask them, what are you trying to be able to do? You know, maybe lift my child or I'm trying to go to work. I'm trying to, you know, feed myself or get dressed. So you think about what are all the things you had to do today to get to work, you know, get out of bed, go up and down stairs, wash yourself, feed yourself in and out of a car, drive and think of all the movements you have to do where those are things that are going to help measure change. And they mean more to the patient because they they just want to get back to their life basically. Yeah. And that's all we're doing is helping them. Yeah. The, the, the center I started in in Brooklyn was called everyday athlete. And we, we, we sort of took that as Every, you know, everything we do is, is, you know, athletic on some level, you know, whether it's getting your kid in, in and out of the car or sitting on the you know, ground playing with your grandchildren and having to get up. There's all these different things and having people just become more aware in their body of how they're how they're using it. Mm-hmm. And that that leads to so many, you know, positive you know, health changes for, for people. You know, if we, we I, I almost never got very focused on weight loss, even though I was a trainer as well and did all that stuff. I just found that the more embodied people were, the more they took care of themselves just in general. Yeah, and when you talk about that, there's an old book I love. It's called The Yellow Emperor's Book. And it's about, I think it's over 2,000 years old. I have a copy here somewhere. 
And in the book, it's a, it's a student talking to the master. And he asked the master, if I want a quality life, what do I need? And it was, it was basic things like, you, you know, you need to exercise. But when they mean by exercise, they mean walking, they mean stretching, they mean breathing, because that cultivates chi. Yeah. They mean have a healthy diet. Sleep is so important. That's when your body kind of, you know, regenerates. So, you know, it's moving your body, it's sleep, it's the food you eat, it's uh, meditation, because that helps to focus the mind, and then don't overindulge. And, and I look at all that when I work with uh, patients, because if they, if they don't have a good diet, if they're not sleeping, you know, if none of these things are, are in place, it doesn't matter how good a therapist you right, are. Right, right. It's not going to make, well, you know, you're a trainer. Yeah. You know, if they're not do, using their body, if they're sitting around all the time, yeah. you know, they've got to do something as well. Yeah. So you've got to look, that's why I say I think we're more like life coaches. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And, and it does, but it's, again, so going, going back to evaluation, it starts with this evaluation. You know, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're starting to work with somebody we're, we're we've now partnered with them on, on, you know, helping, helping be their coach and, and, and getting as much information as we can from them. So take us through, the, you know, how you developed and, and, and what this system yeah. of evaluation, evaluation is. So what I shared with you earlier is I, is I was on a journey to heal myself yeah. and I took hundreds of classes, all different things. And, you know, there was classes on muscles and bones and joints and fluids and all sort of energy and things like that. And I had to figure out a way to, and there were so many evaluation to simplify it. And just like I mentioned before, I had to figure out a way to do it fast. Like you'd mentioned you know, when somebody comes in, how much time are you going to spend with them? Yeah. So I created this, um, a screening examination. And this screening examination can be done in as little as five minutes with practice. Yeah. Obviously, when I teach it, it, it takes a while. And what I'm trying to do with this screening examination is, is a couple of things. Is if you came to me, you know, we said a shoulder, a knee, doesn't matter, or headaches. I want to know within five minutes... Is this a local problem? Mm-hmm. Like if you came with a knee or shoulder, do we have to focus our attention on that area? Or is there underlying problems? Yeah. Like I talked about that pathway of healing. Okay. So if you look at that knee, a knee is a good example. We talked about how does a knee heal? So if you think of the pathway of healing, you think of the blood supply, the drainage, you think of the pathway to and from the heart. Well, it's got to go through areas. Mm-hmm. It's got to go through all the diaphragms yeah. um, in the body or lines of fascial tension. But also something that people don't think about is arteries, veins, lymphatics, they're vessels. And the anatomy of a vessel is you have endothelial cells, that's on the inner lining. We have smooth muscle and we have connective tissue. Smooth muscle is under the control of the autonomic nervous system, mm. right? And so we have something called vasomotion. So when you're in fight or flight, yeah. okay, you know this, that there's vasodilation of your blood vessels to your muscles for fight or flight, but there's vasoconstriction to your blood flow to your organs of digestion. Uh, and that's how it works. So if yeah. you're in sympathetic yeah. overload all the time, it affects all these things. So one of the, the screening examinations that we do is we evaluate these things quickly. We evaluate the autonomic nervous system, you know, your sympathetic, parasympathetic systems. 
you know, so we look at the occiput, we look at the spine, we look at the sacrum, because the occiput and the sacrum, that's where the parasympathetic exists. Yeah. T1 to L2 is where sympathetic exists. So we evaluate those areas very quickly. Structure affects function. So I can tell very quickly, and also through the tone of your voice, mm, yeah, how you're yeah. talking and your history, and, and were you late for the appointment? You know, just, you know, just an, an idea, you know, yeah. you people watch yeah. and you get an idea of these, this person on sympathetic overload. The other thing that I want to understand is that are your transverse diaphragms open? So your pelvic floor, your, you know, everyone knows about your diaphragm here, your respiratory diaphragm. Yeah. There's also a diaphragm here, thoracic inlet. Yeah. We actually have one in our cranium or tentorium. Yeah. Yeah. So why are diaphragms important? Because they're transverse. And all our vital structures run vertical. Right. So our nerves, our arteries, our veins, our lymphatics, our energy flows that way. So if these are restricted... They're, they're, they're like, like platforms almost, right? They're like, they're, yeah. They have to be able to go through each platform as they go up or down. It's like a highway. You know, if you have a blockage there, you, it's just a backlock. So if yeah. these things are blocked down... If yeah. I, if I, don't, I always tell my, my uh, students this. If I only had one thing to treat, it would be a transverse diaphragm because you can accomplish so much. With yeah, that. I, I agree. And the third thing I look at is lines of fascial tension and congestion. Is So think of a body. Think of the head, the arms, the torso, and the legs. As I evaluate each leg, I feel the weight of it. Um, for congestion, you'll feel like mm-hmm. one leg could be heavier than the other. Yeah. Um, I'll evaluate its range of motion through like a leg pump and leg vector. Yeah. And I'm evaluating lines of tension from the legs up into the torso. Yeah. And I do the same evaluation with the arms and the head and neck. And then I check the transverse diaphragms. And then what I do is I check the thorax because everything has to flow back to the heart. Mm-hmm. You know, and... You know, when you think of venous and lymphatic drainage, they flow from a high to a low pressure. Heart disease is the number one killer. So one thing I check with all my patients is what's this thoracic cavity like? Yeah, what's this yeah. respiratory, thoracic inlet, all this area? And then I check the abdomen. So I check all, I check the whole body very quickly in five minutes. And then you're like a lawyer, right? You're <laughs> like a lawyer. You're building a case. Right, right. If you came in with that shoulder problem or knee problem, do I just see tension in that extremity? Yeah. And I could see maybe a little diaphragm there. But if I see multiple things, you know, multiple legs, multiple arms, and I see transverse diaphragms, lines of tension, autonomic nervous system, then you ask yourself a question. If I were to treat that knee or that shoulder and this pathway of healing wasn't intact, what chance do I have of helping this person? Right. I know because I've failed many times oh, with yeah. those patients. I know. I've, I've been you there. Know, <laughs> and, you know, you like you learn from your mistakes. Yeah. You learn from your mistakes. Why didn't they heal? I was doing everything right. The thing is, is that it's going back and study a lot of the old literature, is that how does the body heal? we got to make sure that pathway is intact. So that's one of the things that I evaluate. Within five minutes, I know, oh, yeah, I can treat locally. Or, you know what, I got to sit back and I got to look at the whole body here. There's something going on. And this person, from the case history, this person says, you know what, I've been to this therapist, this therapist, this therapist, 
And I know it because I've, I've treated hundreds of those people. And though they were all good therapists, nothing wrong with that. But I know where, how they treated. They all treated locally. Yeah. They did this local treatment, that local treatment. The body wasn't set up for healing. So let me ask you this question because I know this is a, a, a big thing for you. For, for people who are doing manual therapy evaluation, describe how you find that, what you, I think you describe it as end feel. Where mm. you know where where you're trying to get a sense of where that congestion is or where that limitation is, what what is it that you're looking for? Well, two things. I'll start off with. Let's say I did that screen. Yeah. And let's say um, we found the problem was in that knee or that shoulder. So the question you're asking is, well, how do I take it a step further? So I know that it's it's in that knee, and there's lots of options. So. When I evaluate, I use four letters, A-R-T-S. So it's the easiest way to yeah, evaluate. Yeah, I like it. So, you know, if it's a knee, you place your hands on the knee. Is it level or is one side higher than the other? Mm -hmm. Very simple. Structure affects function. It doesn't tell you what's wrong, but it's right. part of the evaluation. You know, you can evaluate someone's, you know, spine. You're, you're, you're trying to build a map of sorts, right, of what this what this structure looks like. Because do this right now. Your listeners can do it as well. Is that we'll do a couple of these. If everybody turn your head to the right, see how far you go, and then come back to neutral. Tilt your head to the left and keep it there. And now try to turn your head to the right. You don't go as far. Oh, to the right. Because yeah. as soon as you, yeah, if you keep right. the side bending and yeah. now try to rotate, yeah, you can't do it. Or if your shoulders are level like this and you, you know, raise an arm up and then you bring your shoulder forwards into protraction, you can't lift it as high. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So asymmetry, the more asymmetrical you are, the more it affects functional movement in yeah. the body. So that's the first thing I look at. Are you asymmetrical? R stands for range of motion. So I get you to actively, you know, move that shoulder, that knee in different movements. And then I passively do it. And when I passively do it, I'm looking for what you called an end feel. I'm looking for, first of all, I get them to actively do it so I can see how far they're doing it because yeah. you never want to hurt anybody. And then I passively lift it and I see, do I get a barrier before that? Where's the uh, first barrier? We call it a feather barrier. And then what's the nature of the barrier? So if it was a hard, abrupt feel, mm -hmm. that usually tells me it's a joint, okay, a joint dysfunction. Mm -hmm. If it is a, um, let's say, a soft, boggy end feel, that tells me swelling. Uh -huh. If it's kind of um, a firm end feel, like a little bit of an elasticity, yeah. that could be two things. It could be uh, muscle, protective muscle spasm, or fascial tension. Yeah. Okay, so like I said, you're a lawyer. You're pacing this together. So then the T helps you along now. T stands for three things. T can stand for tenderness. So I can go and palpate for tenderness. Mm -hmm. And that's where I learned from Dr. Larry Jones, strength yeah. counter strength. And I use a zero to ten scale. Zero is no tenderness. Tenderness, you know, they have a jump sign. Yeah. And that tells me I protect a muscle spasm. T can also stand for tension tests, where I can go in there and I can do a mobility. Normally, joints have some, that, you know, they have some elasticity to them. So there's a very subtle movement. Yeah. But if it's hard and abrupt, I could have a joint problem. T 
can also stand for tension tests or for tissue texture changes. So when I go to feel it, and I always evaluate the unaffected side and the affected side, you feel that sense of bogginess um, and you feel maybe temperature changes, things like that. Mm -hmm. And then finally, the S stands for special tests. And special tests can be a lot of things, can be like a fascial glide. Like if you, you know, if you get your listeners, they can compress into their arm and they can glide it towards their elbow to the wrist. Right. And then they can glide it left and right and diagonal and twist it. So, you know, is it stuck there? That's fascia. Yeah. We also feel the lymph nodes. Like we have, every, if you, everybody feel their collarbone. Oh, yeah. Just above it here, we have a whole bunch of lymph nodes. And think of lymph nodes like, um, a sponge filled with water mm-hmm. and you're feeling, does it feel puffy on one side? Yeah. We also have a whole bunch of lymph nodes in the armpit. Yeah. Okay. And in the groin, those would be the key areas. Yeah. So everything below your belly button, right. And your legs and your back all drain to your groin, mm-hmm. everything above your belly button and below your clavicle drain to your armpits. And we have a vertical uh, line, a watershed. So, if you have swelling on the left side, goes to the left. Swelling on the right, goes to the right. Everything here will drain to this area. So that's a good evaluation. Mm-hmm. You can, you, you know, you, you start to uh, put these pieces together. Do they have some puffiness there? Was that arm heavy? Did they have tissue tension? And so the body is revealing uh, its secrets. Inside special tests, you could do the limb weight test, you know, one limb heavier than the other. Yeah. That tells you congestion. But you like cranial sacral therapy, you could feel cranial rhythm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you did Jean-Pierre Burrell's work, he does a general listening, local listening, uh, neurological tests, muscle tests, all of those things. Yeah. So those are all the tools. Yeah. So if we go back to the knee, how do I know it's a muscle problem? Well, I know it's a muscle problem and it's a local problem because they didn't meet the criteria for a total body. Everything is all local. Yeah. I know there's asymmetry. I know there's decreased range of motion and it's more of a firm end feel. But the key finding is tenderness. And so, you know, it's so quick once you understand those pieces. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's a muscle issue. And then I've treated that thousands of times so as soon as I, you know, take that muscle, put it in a position of shortening, hold it for 90 seconds, and it's gone, you see the before and after. Yeah. See, you don't need anybody to tell you did something correctly. You know, you and I both know that in our clinic, we, that's why it's important to evaluate, because we see the changes right away before and after we treat. We, we can measure our own success. We can measure. That's why evaluation is so important. We can measure, well, this is a local problem. This is total body. This was a muscle. You know, that was a muscle issue. Yeah. If a, if the problem, let's say, was uh, a fascial issue, how would you know that? Well, there's asymmetry. There's decreased range of motion. It's got a firm end feel just like the muscle. But there wasn't any significant tenderness. The key finding was a special test, the fascial glide. And so then you know that. And then you know you were correct because if you go in there and you do a myofascial release, and you feel the heat come off, the pulsation, the vibration, and then you reevaluate. You know, asymmetry is now better. Yeah, the range of motion is better. You know, the patient's feeling better. The pain's different. And and that's that's another important part that that I think gets missed is the reevaluating. 
Mm-hmm. Way too many times where we we learn our technique and we do our technique and we sort of just send them out and say, okay, I hope it feels better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? But, but what's wrong with that is that, and, and I find this with, with practitioners, is that they could have done an incredible job, but you know as well as I do is that the body doesn't heal right away. Yeah. Is that it takes a day or two. You've, yeah. you've started the process. And so they leave your office and, and they, they may be moving better. They might have a little bit of, of pain, right? So mm-hmm. they don't look at you, oh, you fixed me. Yeah. But then they go to the yoga class or they go see somebody else or whatever. And all of a sudden, by the next day or two, they're feeling better. And it, it's not their fault. They're saying they, they can't put the dots together. Yeah. They can't say, oh, what he did helped me. So they looked at the last person that touched. I guess it was that yoga class I went to or that pizza I had. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) But that's why it's so important uh, to reevaluate so that the patient sees, you know, the the benefit of your work. Yeah. And that's how do you build your practice? I mean, you have have a, a busy practice. I have a busy practice. I don't advertise. My advertisement is my patients. Right, yeah. I have this one lady, she came in, she had like a failed hip surgery. She had lymphedema in this right arm and uh, she had neck problems and and she was in her 66, but so depressed the first day. And she was so angry because of the things that had happened to her. And, 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 you know, like I said, we're life coaches. I had to really get her to change her frame of mind. But as we started to work with her, and she could see the differences in her body. And like we said earlier, she measured the changes in activities of daily living as well as my measurements. She's already sent me six patients because she's seen the changes in her body. I'm yeah. gonna have to put her on the payroll now. Right? Because she's like, <laughs> she's like I, I know people up. <laughs> yeah. Well and and but back to what you were saying about you know the, people are going to go out you know after after a session they're gonna they're gonna test and try doing different things. But it, it, when you were saying that, it reminded me of the the other side of that, which is that people come in and they think the the last thing that happened to them or when they had you know started having pain was was what caused it. Like how many people have come into you and said, "I think I just slept funny and got a kink in my neck." Right, mm-hmm. we know that that kink in the neck could it could be local, but we we also when, once we evaluate the pelvis and once we sort of see what's happening from the knees and the ankles and everything, we can see these different asymmetrical patterns kind of working their way up through the system, and we have to treat that system as a whole. And that that neck was just an endpoint that was basically, you know, bound to happen at some point. You know, it's interesting when we when we talk about that. One of the things that I do that's part of the evaluation is I send them home to take pictures hmm. is I want to see their, you know, what do they look like um, in front of their computer or on their phone okay? <laughs> yeah. or iPad. And, and yeah. I watch them in the waiting room Yeah, when they come in, I, I see them all hunched over like that. And, yeah. um, and, you know, and it's so important. And, and the couches are some of the worst places to sit, but there was a study in Canada. It was called the Quebec study. They looked at 250,000 cases of neck and back problems. And what they found out, like 85% were due to ergonomics, mm. poor posture, yeah. you know, and lack of movement and that. So that's also an evaluation. You know, we have to look at all those different aspects, yeah. ergonomics, 
and all those things I talked about from the Yellow Emperor's book as well. Yeah, and I, I, you know, one of my goals with people, if if they're at this level of health, is to try to get them moving, you know, and and using their bodies in in dynamic ways because that's often also what's what's missing from why the why these different areas stay engaged and stay in balance because if we're you know think about how many how many more hours a day we're sitting as you know say middle-aged people than we were when we were in our you know late teens and early 20s there was just a lot more activity going on in our in our lives where we actually were you know moving so we've you know i, I always think there's a certain amount of this that's just we're just adapting to the position that our our body has gotten the most used to which is mm-hmm. sitting with tight hip flexors and you know legs in whatever position they are and head in whatever position it is usually looking at a screen or looking down at at a tablet or your phone and so that's that's the adaptation that our body has made and they say that sitting is the is the new smoking right 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 you know it's going to end your life and it's interesting when you say sitting i've had patients come in and the pain they had let's say in their leg it came on insidiously you know there was no mechanism of injury yeah and so when you start to evaluate them you start to look where their complaint is and there's a pathway from let's say that leg that leg has let's say it's the right leg it's got to come up to the groin and that drainage comes up to the you know to your diaphragm goes to the left clavicle and to the heart so there's a whole pathway there and so what can happen is every part of your body needs oxygen nutrition but it also has to get rid of the waste products everything every cell needs that Mm -hmm. and how does the body get rid of toxicity I mean, we have we have internal toxins from every cell, but we're exposed to the air we breathe, the food, you know, mold, all sorts of things around us. Yeah. So our body has all this. So where does it go? Well, when we look at that, we actually breathe it out. Our lungs is an organ of elimination. But also as that blood, that lymph and venous return come back to the heart, it goes to the lungs, but then it goes down to the liver. Mm-hmm. And the liver detoxifies it, and then we get rid of it through our bowel movements. It also goes through our kidneys and it goes throughout our pores, right? So that's how we eliminate toxins. What happens is when we have a buildup, what does the body do with it? Well, it stores it in fat. Number two, it stores it in our bones. Mm. So sometimes when you have uh, this pain, and because you've got me thinking about that when people are sitting all the time, because the lymph nodes in your groin, yeah. and they have to go through the abdomen and all the way up in here, so you're all hunched over. Yeah. And if you're not moving, you can have a buildup of toxicity, and it gets stored in your joints, it gets stored in your bones. And just by doing a simple thing, opening up the diaphragms, balancing the lymphatic system, all of a sudden these pains start to go or get them walking yeah. or changing their posture. So, we, you know, we... I always think of things very simplistically. You know, think of the basic things, the rule of the artery supreme. You know, think of your diet, meditation, movement. You know, and the role of manual therapy is to, you know, remove these barriers so that the body can function the way it's supposed to function. Yeah. As you're talking, I'm I'm just, I'm thinking now, who, so... I'm I'm curious. I've I've taken a lot of upledger courses, obviously, and I've taken a couple of yours. But I'm curious if you've seen any trends now, because you know, osteopaths at one point were our kind of main primary care people. Mm-hmm. That has shifted, and it's coming back a little bit in the U.S. It's way bigger in Europe, oddly enough. Even though it started and Canada, and, and, Canada, and Canada, and New Zealand, and, and Canada, yeah. New Zealand, yeah. Um, and so are there, are there any new trends in terms of who's taking your courses, like which health professionals are, are becoming more interested in this approach? You know, it's, 
I really appreciate people like you with these shows because I think people need to hear different perspectives. Yeah. Because what happens is we we tend to go down this one lane and we stay in our lane in a sense and we we, we become an expert in that area instead of looking at other areas. And I spent my whole life, you know, looking and asking questions. Yeah. And I think one of the best things we can do is I learn, we all learn from our patients. I learn from what doesn't work. Yeah. You know, what are their complaints and things like that. You know, the people that that I that I've been um, uh, treating or not treating, teaching or athletic trainers uh, since this whole COVID thing, I've been on the uh, Zoom a lot, Zoom yeah. call a lot. And because my background was an athletic trainer to begin with, I'm getting a lot of calls. I'm actually in a lot of their conventions next year, and I see a lot of them popping up. I actually had the uh, the head trainer for the Edmonton Oilers, the hockey team. He attended my class, and he's using it with all Edmonton's players, and he loves it. My total body balancing class, mm-hmm. like looking at the whole body. So, and I and I really want trainers to take the class. That's where I started, and and I think of where I started as an athlete. And the pain that I went through because I never did play professional football. You know, I was a kid and that's what I wanted to do my whole life. And so I have a soft spot for trainers and, yeah. and the class. And and I think it's it's important for them. And we've had these, I've had these talks with them. You know, they they follow that Cartesian model. Person comes with a knee problem, they get in the ice cold whirlpool tanks, they're ultrasounding, east end, and everything is very local. I had... Uh, one guy come to see me. He's a baseball player for the Florida Gators college team. And he was treated all summer. And guess what they did? It was a shoulder problem. They did rotator cuff exercises. They mm. did an East Dim. Yeah, they yeah. did ultrasound. That's all they did. And he's coming yeah. to me. And this guy's in this guy's in tears, this young man. Yeah. Because this is his future. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he, he heard about me from someone else. He came in and I did my screen that I told you about. Well, nothing was it's not coming from his shoulders. It's coming from his legs. So I lie him down and I'm showing this and I'm, and I'm working on his legs. And his dad goes, you know, when are you going to work on his shoulder? And finally, the, his son had to say, will you just shut up, dad? Just let him do what he's <laughs> going to do. And I purposely did not touch his, his shoulder. I worked everything else but. And when we were finished, full range of motion, no pain. Yeah. What did you find? And so, Well, it was all lines of tension from, from the legs, old injuries all yeah. built up. And his pelvis wouldn't open up. Think of your lat dorsi comes from your sacrum and your lumbar spine. It comes up to the bicipital groove. Yeah. The shoulder, I lecture on the shoulder a lot because when a patient comes in with a shoulder problem, I always ask my students, well, where would you evaluate? They go, the shoulder, right? But think of your upper fibers of trapezius going to the occiput, so craniosacral or sternocleidomastoid, you know, the, yeah. the temporal bones or subclavian muscle, or your biceps, you know, going into your elbow, triceps, or pectoralis major and minor, your rib cage, rhomboids, thoracic, lat dorsi, sacrum, and then all the different chains. So the shoulder is a nice, nice area to, uh, to look at. So I really love uh, working with trainers. I'm getting more of them. I get a lot of massage therapists and I try to do a lot of um, lectures at their meetings. uh, And they're starting to value, uh, I think as of this year, they're allowed to evaluate. My sister's a massage therapist from Canada, and their program is a three-year program. So they actually learn a lot of the evaluation. And I'm so grateful that Florida is now 
uh, allowing you know their therapist to do that. I also get, of course, physical therapists. I, yeah. I teach a lot of physical therapy conventions. I've had the odd chiropractor, and I, I'm getting more osteopaths uh, attending my class. I want to reach out also to acupuncturists because I'm an acupuncturist yeah. because I like to do the manual therapy first be, and release all these barriers before I do my needles. Yeah. And I think the energy is just going to flow uh, much better. So that, that's probably the people that I that I mainly focus on. With my energy classes, I tend to um, teach that same group, but I also teach it to lay people. And, and that, that's, that's something great. that I, uh, and it's something that I'm really excited about. And yeah. people, when they hear the word energy. You know, they they kind of look at you, uh, you know, in a funny way. And I did the same thing. Yeah. But when you look at the body, you know, your body is made up of like 20 or it was a 200 trillion or I know 100 trillion cells. That's 100 trillion cells. Each cell is made up of 100 trillion atoms. And if you look at one atom, you know, it has protons and neutrons in the center and it's yeah. got electrons around yeah. it. If you were to give the protons and neutrons a size like a peanut and place it in the middle of a football field, that would be the electron field. Yeah, yeah. So think of your body, 100 trillion cells. Each cell is 100 trillion atoms. Each atom is like 99.99999% empty space. Right. That's what your body is made out of. Space and electricity. We're made up of consciousness. We're made up of of thoughts. And, And people always say, well, why are you so solid? Well, because these atoms have electrons and they're negative charge and the atom beside it's negative. So they repel each other. So that's how we can create a solid, yep. you know, fixture. That's why I can sit on this chair and not fall through it because it has a, a negative uh, force as well. Yeah. So that's sort of what has set up. But, you know, the body, I mean, I've been I've been working on this uh, for the last 30 years, graduated in 88. And my mentor, John Warnham, who was my teacher, he was 99 years old. And I hope to be doing this stuff in my 90s. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much to learn. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, like you, I'm reading books every week. I'm, you know, I'm taking classes. You know, I want to get better. I yeah. want to learn from other people, you know, because you can only see one perspective from your side. You know, you want to try to get ideas, you know, see things from other people's point of view. Well, and it's it, it kind of begs the question of, of you know, what we're working on when we're trying to improve health or improve function is, you know, there's this there's this experiencer <laughs> that we're working with, right? And and I feel like a, a lot of what we're trying to do is is improve that that experience of that person. And it, this is where it gets very soulful, and in, in, in a lot of ways, is we're we're trying to we're trying to elevate, you know. And also, I think there's a there's a big part of this that. You know, in this material world, <laughs> we're we're actually trying to you know trying to have connection. We're trying to you know sort of be more more part of 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 one you know together. But you know when we're experiencing pain or when we're when we're having when we're you know feeling dysfunction or you know things things just aren't working very well, you you can almost kind of see it in a person when they come in. It's like they're almost mm-hmm. kind of like lost, you know. D- deep in there, they can't quite be their full vibrant self. And I feel like that's a big part of what we're working on most of the time. A patient, I do a lot of um, treatments over the computer uh, with the energy work, telehealth. And a person I worked on yesterday, 
right away. She just got on there. Didn't say a word. I said, okay, what's going on? Yeah. I've never seen you like this before. Yeah. And you could see everything was just all Withdrawn. You know, sunken in. Yeah. And I think that's how, you know, it's about using all your senses. You know, we have the sense of sight, but we have a subtle sense of sight, you know, imagination. Yeah. You know, we have, we can hear, but we also have a, a sense of, you know, things will just pop into our mind. Yeah. We have a, a sense of touch, but from a distance, we can actually feel things through that subtle sense. So it's about using all our senses, both physical senses, but subtle senses in our evaluation. And, you know, it's about using our whole brain. You know, we can access, you know, millions of bits of information. And I always allow my, my right brain to kind of wander, where do I get drawn to? But then my left brain comes in with the evaluation to hone it in and say, okay, was this what I was finding? Is this what's happening? I wanted to share one lady who came to see me. This was, I always talk about her in my classes because it's so striking, is she had 10 years of headaches and neck problems. And everybody treated her for 10 years, headaches and neck. They did massages here, acupuncture, physical therapy. She went to chiropractic. When we did that total body screening examination on her, it was her left leg. It was her diaphragms. It was others. And then she tells me that when I look down that her left foot is bigger than the right. She had had four surgeries. It still has a wrap around. It's still stuff oozing out. And so picture her, she's lying on her back and I'm standing at her head and I'm trying, her legs are straight and I'm trying to move her head in different positions and I couldn't. But as soon as I got her to bend that left knee, I could pick her head up and I could move her head anywhere I wanted. Yeah. So there was a line of fascial tension from that uh, left leg coming all the way into that area. So just like that baseball player, as soon as I started to release those lines of tension, you know, in that leg, all of a sudden that neck started to free up. Yeah. I still see her to this day. She comes yeah. in for tune-ups. But that's why I'm so passionate about this yeah. is because, you know, it, we need to look at the whole body. We need yeah. to look at everything as it comes in. And, you know, we try to streamline it. I know everybody's busy. I know, you know, some people may see, I know some people see four patients an hour. You know, some people see two, some people have the luxury of an hour. Uh, but that's why, you know, I, I streamline that to five minutes. So even as if you only had 15 minutes, five minutes evaluation, then boom, you know, go to that area and start treating. But we really have to get that word out uh, because, you know, I suffered. And, you know, that woman for 10 years suffered. That baseball player could have suffered. And there's yeah. many, many more like that yeah. that are walking around that don't have to suffer. Yeah. And it's not that the therapist isn't a good therapist. And, it, and it's not their fault. I think it's the school's fault in a sense. It's, yeah. our, it's our country in a sense because workers' compensation, for example, tells you just treat the knee. Yeah. You have six visits. Yeah. We get honed in, and probably when you went to school, you know, you have a neck problem, massage this area, unless you're doing a relaxation for the whole yeah. body. You know, we're told, a doctor say, you know, work on that area, insurance company. Even the patient says, work here. But we have to really sit back and we have to look at the body for, with our subtle senses and our physical senses, look at the whole picture, look at the history, look at everything before we begin yeah, and I, I think a lot of my my understanding of this came because I also got into this field from a, 
you know, a physical challenge. I had, I had, a, I was having chronic back problems in my twenties, you know, and, and probably had started even earlier. I remember having problems when I was playing basketball in, in high school. So, but I have, I have a, you know, I have a sort of a deformity with the way my, my, uh, foot and tarsals grew so my ankle's a little a little funny and I sprained that ankle a number of times and mm-hmm. so but no one had really evaluated me in this in this kind of way and I was you know I was young enough that when I went to go see the doctor or see chiropractors they were sort of like oh you're a young guy you'll be you'll be all right but I was I felt miserable and as I learned a lot of my problems were really coming from my legs and from my ankle and all this diff- different twisting that was going on and you know, to what you talk about a lot in your in your courses, the the where the body is this dynamic unit of, of function, where mm-hmm. you know we are have a, have a spiritual or soulful side to it. There's there's a emotional and mental and all the different physical parts of it. And if we don't, and and I and I learned a lot from going through my process because I once I got some of the physical things worked out, I still had a lot of problems with anxiety and dealing with stress and <laughs> that kind of mm-hmm. stuff that I still had to continue to work at. So being able to be addressed that way, and I and I always feel that way. Sometimes I, I I feel like I do very minimal things when I when I'm you know first seeing somebody. If I, especially a lot of times I'll start out with craniosacral work because if they have if you know if I'm using that that low of force and they have you know uh, something really profound happen, that tells me something too. That gives gives me a lot of information, and it also helps them understand something else that you 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 teach a lot is that the the body is self healing. You know that really we we have the ability to to heal w- within ourselves, and people love to kind of like throw this out to me as, you know, me being the healer. I I'm I'm there as you know as as part of an assistant for your process, and I have the tool set that I have, and I got a lot of tricks in my bag. <laughs> but I'm not a healer. I'm not just going to like wave my magic wand and you're going to get better. You have to engage at at a certain level with me at, with all of that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and those are the. You know, the questions we ask, where do we treat? What do we treat? And the third question um, we were just getting to is why? You know, why are we treating that area? You know, what's it going to do? And it all goes back to that physiological model. And the next question, you know, to ask is, well, how long do we treat for? Mm. You know, that's why I don't like to give a time frame. You know, I don't say, oh, it's an hour treatment. So they're expecting an hour treatment. No, it's a session. You know, I'm going, to, I'm going to take you to a, a safe place because AT still would say you only have to do enough and, and nature will kindly do the rest. Mm. Is that sometimes we tend to overtreat. We tend to, ha- and, and when, I, when I'm with my students, I try to get them, you know, obviously we overtreat when we're teaching classes because we're working technique after technique. But I get the therapist to pay attention to as someone's working with you, you know, I don't like to say do it three times, four times. I go, wait, do it till you feel a shift. And you'll feel this sense of lightness that takes place. Yeah. That things things are flowing. And if you continue to work with it, all of a sudden a heaviness will start to appear. Mm. It's like the body is going uh, a different way. Yeah. And you as a craniosacral practitioner, you know that when you work on an area is that you have signs. All of a sudden, oh, person just took a breath in. Oh, the cranial rhythm starting to come in. Things yeah. are starting to open up. So what do we do? Do we do we take our hands away? Do we go down to another level? You know, where do we need to go with this? Yeah. And and I think these are these are questions, you know, that we really have to pay attention to. And it's different. My father, who was 85 years old, he's passed away since then, but he had some issues. He was in the hospital. We had congestive heart failure. So we talk about a dose. 
how much can you treat someone for him his body could only tolerate five ten minutes yeah you know but if i'm working with an elite athlete could work with you two hours right yeah vital force conditioned for it right yeah you can handle that yeah so i think you know as practitioners and teachers uh, not only you know do we have to focus on you know where to treat what to treat and why and also, you know, focusing on these different techniques, we also have to focus on dosing. We have to focus on how long. Yeah, even, you know, even with manual. Different. Yeah, even with manual therapy. I mean, think about it in relation to like how you would use a, a pharmaceutical. We almost there, there are certain people that we know we have to give the, the smallest dosage to. You know, when they come mm-hmm. in, you can tell like less is more. And mm-hmm. so, you know, and then I always, it's, it's similar to the dosing. You, you titrate up just slowly as you're working with them over time. Sometimes by the end of the session, even you can kind of work in a little bit more, but, and th- there is, there is a feel to that, but I think the more you see the patterns of s- some of these people and even, and even just, you know, what, what you, what you get from them as they, as they come in, like you're saying, like, what is their, vo- what is the quality of their voice? Like, what's their posture? Like, you know, <laughs> j- just from the beginning, you get a pretty good sense of, of, of where you're going to start if, uh, with that level too. And then what's beautiful is you see the change, you know, uh, Patients will say, well, I'm doing more at home. I'm able to, you know, lift all these boxes, go up and down the stairs. And you see, you know, that capacity, that endurance that they're yeah, able to go that's through. That's my measure, then, you too. You know, the life force. That's their life force. Yeah. That you goes know, back to the goals, right? You know, I, I, I'm always trying to, I'm, I'm kind of retesting goals with people. You know, they may come in and, you know, at first say, well, I just, I just want to be able to get up and down off the floor because that's really difficult. But then all of a sudden they pass through that, and we have to we have to create a new goal. Well, you you can do that. You now now you want to do more walking, so you know let's let's check in with that as our measure rather than just pain. I mean, especially as we age, we're going to have discomfort from time to time, mm-hmm. you know. And and one of the things that I, why I was sort of interested in asking you the question about who's coming to these courses is. I feel like there's a, there's so much good information here that we could learn from in, in a lot of different health fields. And, you know, some of the limitations are happening from insurance and, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. But I still think there are, there are a lot of different ways in which we can influence, coach, you know, our patients and clients to really kind of engage a little bit more in this, in this process and, and realize the possibilities that they're, that they're not their condition, that, you know, that, that, that can actually change. And that's, you know, that's, that's hard to change that belief system for somebody who's, you know, say had, you know, headaches for 10 years, mm-hmm. but I've seen it, you know, and that's, and I've also experienced it with my own body just as you have. And so mm-hmm. I think that's, that's something that's really important to kind of, I think, push out there that, you you have a little bit more control over that as you know over your own health and how you engage and and even just creating a team of the right kind of practitioners around you to support your process. When we talk about mind, body, and spirit. Uh, the spirit is the highest level. Is um, there was a book called Man's Search for Meaning, uh, Viktor Frankl, mm-hmm. who was in Nazi Germany. And he would watch the people that survived and those that didn't survive. And he saw that those that did survive had a meaning to get up every day, a meaning to tell their story. And what I find with my patients is, you know, a lot of patients will give you lip service. Oh, yeah, I'll do this. I'll do that. But they, I, I really have to look at their spirit. Do they want to get better? Mm. You know, because some people just, they just don't want to get out of bed. They're depressed. They're this or that. And you, yeah. got, you have yeah. to find that spirit. Yeah. 
the spirit, their vitality for me is the most important thing. Yeah, yeah, me too. So that's what I look at first. Yeah. I look at their mindset. And if I can get their mindset, like that woman I told you about with the, you know, the failed surgery with her hip, the lymphedema, all that, it was mindset. It was her spirit. She's such a different person now. She still has the lymphedema and all, but she's doing more now. She's less pain. You know, she's living a lot more. So spirit for me is is the most important. And then getting the proper uh, mindset behind that. Yeah. You know, what are you, what are you going to do each day? Yeah. It's about changing your habits, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, because, you know, if you were my patient, it's a 60-40 split. You're the 60%. I'm the 40. Yeah. I just create a better environment for healing. But like you said earlier, your body has to heal. I'm not yeah. the healer. Yeah. You know, you have to do it yourself. Yeah. So much fun talking to you, man. This is this is such a great. I, I, this is the stuff I love, and I know this is very this is very sort of overviewy in some ways, mm-hmm. but I also feel like this should set a tone for the way that we think about our own health and and the way that we think about care. So, I, but I'd love to have you back on again to to get into maybe more specifics of of some of these modalities too, because there's a lot. I, you just have so many different things that I, you you have so much experience with. I'd love to get more from you. I would love that. This was pretty easy. It was fun. Just yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Carrie. Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate your time, man. All right. Thank you very much. Carrie D'Ambrosio, folks. We become accustomed in our culture to seeing symptoms as barriers to our well-being rather than looking for the source of dysfunction and clearing those barriers. As Carrie explains, the human body is a dynamic unit of function, mind, body, and spirit. And ultimately, the spirit, or our vitality and life force, is what most of us are looking to elevate. We are not entitled to health and vitality. We need to cultivate it. We need to consider our whole being and experience, mentally, physically, and emotionally, to build a strong foundation. And as we discussed here, good evaluation is essential so that we know what we are treating, where we're treating it, and why we're treating it. And if done well, this can greatly improve our function, livelihood, and sense of well-being. Let me know what you thought of this topic in conversation. You can reach out to me anytime through the contact page of our website, highway2.health. And if you'd like to watch us have this conversation, head over to the Highway to Health podcast channel on YouTube. Thanks for listening and for all that you do. Be good to yourself, be kind to each other, and take care of your planet. Be well, my friends. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Hopeful Hints, hosted by Dr. Tara, guides and supports those on the often challenging and isolating journey of women's health concerns and infertility. There's a particularly powerful episode that you should check out called All Things Endometriosis, which dives deep into understanding the condition to help the many women who suffer from endometriosis and have no idea they have it and healthcare providers who are uneducated about it, making the diagnosis process so difficult. Check out Hopeful Hints on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.